Hello and welcome to Brain Trust Live number 452. This week on the podcast, congressional Democrats are happy to be trolled by Josh Hawley if it means they don't have to do anything. And update, George Santos does not know where any of his money came from or who was or is in charge of it. Plus, Nikki Haley inceptioned Donald Trump into announcing her candidacy for president for her. And Trump's 2024 campaign platform, wind turbines belong in jail. We'll have all this and more. This is Brain Trust Live. Hey y'all, I'm Brent. I'm Lila, and you can find us on the web at www.braintrustlive.com. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> we are two weeks in a row in the same room. That's right. And back, really back, only days apart, because last week I think we recorded on Tuesday. Oh, so, did we record yeah. on Tuesday? Oh, yeah, So we're only, right. we're bringing you the last like five days of Short news. week. Short week, which is fine. And that's not to say this will be a short podcast, because you never know how long we'll go no. on. And we have a lot of talk about like various people who may or may not be running for different things in 2024 and if we were built to talk ad nauseum about those for much longer than an hour that's uh i mean we are we we are we are the people that are built to talk about those ad that's us we're those people um we're also people who read the news so we much like we brought you some thoughts on our uh future on our future strategy towards uh dealing with mass shootings in the news we also wanted to talk briefly about tyree nichols and just like how we're planning to cover these incidences of police brutality in the future as well. Listen, that video is fucking horrifying. Obviously. And, you know, we just, we're so, I I feel like the way that we'll cover it is to remind everyone that there are policy solutions to this, at least in a sense, right? I mean, and we're just so far away from them that in the same way that it feels like, well, you know that we just like don't believe in guns, right? But right. like we're, we're miles away from that conversation ever happening. Right. So like we can continue to tell you that that's our thoughts on that. But right. like, you know, I mean, this is, we need to start over with the police, essentially. <laughs> yes. I mean, like that's like for real and I'm only partially joking, right? Yeah. I mean, like it's not working. And we have sort of skirted around the edges of this a million different ways. I mean, we had the George Floyd, Floyd Policing Act, which didn't even pass, right? And then also, like, you know, the Democrats at some point took out ending qualified immunity, which is, like, one thing that we know could help. You know, I mean, like, the idea that, like, we can say anything about this besides it's fucking awful and start over with policing. I mean, like, Look, that that's it. Much like I, with the mass shootings conversation, no one is even remotely discussing the things that could actually end right, this problem. Right, that's it. That's so the problem. So it's like, we can just keep reminding ourselves as a society that we're violent, which we are, and we can remind ourselves that we're racist, which we are. the police are racist. The police are racist. Like, all of these are things that we can keep saying, and certainly these should be conversations that intersect with election news because they are policy issues that should intersect with election But they don't end up being because nobody ever does anything anyway. Exactly. So I feel like we're not going to review what happened in that incident uh, in, in the Tyree Nichols case, and we're probably, we're going to be mentioning this only as a policy issue going forward. Yeah. Um, and also as an issue that you can attend protests regarding, should you For sure. want to. Um, we're only going to be talking about action steps, and we're only going to be talking about policy solutions. We are not going to be reviewing for you the horrifying incidences that occur every day in this country. Every, literally, I know. Truly. Yeah. Um, that we are only sending thoughts and prayers to. Because it's not helping to just... It, it's sort of desensitizing all of us to the violence without providing us any steps forward, totally. and that feels frustrating. Yeah. Um, so, in any case, that's that's... Really all we're going to say about that, because there's nothing we can say. 
And instead, we're going to move on to talk about um, Josh Hawley introducing really one of the best moments of political theater into our lives of this year. And I don't like saying that it was Josh Hawley who did that. But Me either. This week, he introduced the Pelosi Act, which prevents elected leaders from owning securities and investments. Right. And he actually, I mean, look, there's an F in there. So it really would be, I guess, like Pelfosi. Right. <laughs> um, but it's close enough. Close enough. I'm going to let him have it. I'm... Because it's big thinking. And it's, you know, we're joking about it. But also, it's really obnoxious because we basically are letting the Republicans have this, right? I mean, Democrats are out there saying that they want to do this. But the reason this is called the Pelosi Act is because when Democrats started talking about banning members of Congress from, you know, buying stocks and all of these things, uh, it was Nancy Pelosi who was like, buzz off. I'm getting rich off of all of these things, my husband and I. So, like, we're not changing this law because I'm now a near billionaire. So fuck off. The idea so, like, that we're taking this progressive cause and letting the most Josh abhorrent Hall. of Republicans have a win on it is mind-boggling. But also, classic Democrats. Classic. I mean, this is snatching defeat from and the jaws of victory. And it'll probably pass because like, I think that there are enough Democrats and Republicans who want to pass this. It's just annoying that it's going to have his name on it. Yeah. Because it doesn't, it doesn't have to have his name on it. No. And then he's going to go off and he's going to tell everybody how he's a great champion of the working people. Yeah. Which he's not, obviously, but he's gathering up enough things that it's almost as if he might be able to sell that. And we're going to talk well, about... Well, certainly he would be able to sell it better than the Democrats, who are the say, ones blocking a lot of this we're policy. We're going to talk about people in a little bit who are running for president, and he's not yet on the list. I have a feeling he will make it to that list at some point. And he probably more than Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump scares me, because I feel like he, as nutty as he is, I think he can make a an economic case... Yeah to enough people that they would be perfectly happy looking past some of his other nuttiness or leaning into it in the way that they did with Donald yes. Trump. But like, I'm, you know, I, look, I, he was, he's doing this. He was in favor of sending out the cash payments to people. He was, you know, a lot. Right, and was, also that was him personally who put his name on that yeah, policy. Yeah. He's also one of the architects of January 6th. <laughs> right, yeah, of course. His voters I mean, will like, love. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, yeah. But I mean, like, but he's, you know, unlike, don't let it, for that very reason, yes, is don't like, let don't let him, him have this. Right? Also, this should I, be Elizabeth Warren's bill. Like, he worries <laughs> no, me also always. because, unlike Ted Cruz, he seems sort of like, he's like a milk toast looking non, like, non entity of a person. <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't have the anti charisma that Ted Cruz has, you know? Right. Like, I wouldn't say that Josh Hawley has charisma, charisma. in the positive sense. But right. I would say that unlike Ted Cruz, he doesn't come across as like Beelzebub himself. <laughs> right. And yeah, that right. worries yeah. me as well. Yeah. Because imagine just looking like a generic any person yeah. and you're not Mike Pence. Instead, you're Josh Hawley who has actual things that you're planning to say. And most of them are <laughs> evil, but they sound confusingly populist. Right. Yeah, exactly. But That's he's much smarter than Donald Trump. Much. Which is why he worries me so much. Because he's yeah. like if Donald Trump, if somebody with the um, sort of broader intellectual... Uh, sort of capabilities right. of Donald Trump also could, like, speak articulately about right. them. Yeah. It's very worrying. Yeah. Um, anyway. Maybe but, it won't matter because we'll be at war. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, World War, Donald Trump's very worried that we're going to be at World War III. I don't he know, would I didn't be. pull the notes, but he was talking about that. But also, like, the World Health Organization is telling countries to, like, stockpile their radiation pills. So, like, yeah. that's where we're at, guys. So that's great news. So we're sending tanks. We've been saying since the beginning of this conflict that there was no circumstance where we would send tanks. Right. To Ukraine. Uh, to Ukraine, right? Uh, other countries are doing so too. Germany is, and initially they were saying that they weren't even going to let the, the the tanks 
cross through Germany to get to right. Ukraine. And now but they're, instead they're sending n- them. Now they're sending their own and some other countries too. And it's ultimately a handful. I think they like hilariously asked for like 300 tanks or something like that. And I think yeah. they're getting like like ones that you could count on your hands. Basically. Right, like 12 but, tanks like, or something. Right. Even still, it's just like, I, I don't, I really just don't know what, I don't get the end game. And I haven't been able to have anybody properly explain it to me. I don't think that anybody really thinks that, like, without, like, a, you know, full intervention from the rest of the West, that, like, Ukraine is actually going to beat Russia. But none of them are acting like they want to do that. But they've also been sort of, like, notably, you know, pushing against peace talks. Uh, And then, uh, you know, I mean, Adam Schiff, like, has said point blank that it's, like, better to deplete the Russian military over there. I mean, it really does seem like we're in some sort of, like, proxy war exercise, which is not well, like that's a, the only kind we've of been, that we've been, we've been calling it a proxy war for quite some time, but it really does Seem feel, like an feel exactly war. like that. I mean, it feels like we are just using well, it's, them and some of our resources to, like, deplete the Russian army. It's literally a proxy war. We, we were calling it that before <laughs> because we were just sort of using our common sense right. to come up with this conclusion, but, like... Of course, everything is a proxy war because everything is just about major powers. It's in the same way that everything is about money. It's like you're never in a situation where two groups of people who are both deserving of better treatment are fighting each other because, you know, because they just are inherently have have opposing interests. That's always about money, too. Like this, Ukraine is not a relevant enough country to actually be having its own war with Russia. (laughs) Right. It's well, we're in a it's a proxy war right. with just Russia and the world. Yeah. I don't know what the proxy is at the point, but we know that Russia is crazy. We know we've been worrying about this. We know that you know, they picked a location to sort of first launch, which was Ukraine, which they thought would be a nothing piddly nowhere place and instead, you know, put up a big fight. But part of the reason that we have been so invested in the plight of the Ukrainian people, who we have never once suggested we cared about in the past, <laughs> is because this is a proxy war. Because this is just about the entire world being afraid of Russia and not really knowing what to do with that fear because they're being run by a madman. Right. I just don't understand why that all that being said, you're absolutely right. I just feel like if we have fears about Russia being run by a madman, then I just don't understand why. I mean, like, are we prodding him into nuclear war? Is that our plan? I mean, like, is that what people are looking to do? I guess I just don't I don't I don't get what they're. I think that there is like a sort of strain of thought that gets us into all of our wars. <laughs> That's just sort of like, um, because you can't count on a madman stopping him themselves, oh, that sure. you always have to intervene in every situation, always forever, which is how we ended up in Afghanistan. That's how we end up everywhere. We, yeah. you know, we're ending up places in part because we think that like we will somehow police the world. Yeah. Because we can't trust madmen elsewhere to just be Why don't mad we just overthrow him? We do that all the time. Well, I was going to say... Just kill him. The thing, Poison him. The thing that's what that he does. frustrates me the most here is that we have a history of all sorts of schemey behavior when it comes to leaders of other countries, including we don't have to be, leaders. We don't have to be spending billions of dollars and using our own military resources the like The whole world over there. can't get together to scheme a way to get rid of Vladimir Putin? <laughs> they certainly can. There's could. a bunch of rich guys whose whole empires are being threatened by this I guy. I would contend that doing that is... One of the few things this country has historically done well. I know. No, that's where I'm Maybe not well, but I mean, they've done it. Right. (laughs) They've done it successfully. (laughs) They've done it successfully. (laughs) I just, I don't understand how our strategy is like open conflict and not scheming. Yeah. I feel like always be scheming. (laughs) (laughs) Always be scheming. Always be scheming. It just, once you're in a situation where 
it's the interests of the entire world against one madman. Yeah. That's what, that's like, I mean, World War II is a classic example of this problem. <laughs> sure. You, it, you get one idiot, and an idiot can always find friends, so that's, you worry about that. Yeah. You know, you get one idiot with an evil master plan, mm-hmm. and it's like, the whole world is like, has, the, has united interest in wanting to defeat this one idiot. He's one guy. I know he's rich and enclosed, but you know what, or uh, isolated from the world, but you know what is propping him up is rich people in Russia. Yeah. Get to them. Yeah. Wait, like, it's all money. Yeah. It's, we're fighting a proxy war for rich people, too. <laughs> we are. In any case, um, I would just like to not have to be in a nuclear war. I just don't yeah. have the energy at this time. I know. <clears throat> and I also think this is actually something, and I said this about the beginning of the Ukraine conflict, and I stand by it, which is, I think, sure, Vladimir Putin is being insane. And I yes. can't, that's, that's his MO. Yeah. I think that he's maybe underestimating how unhinged everyone else is feeling. (laughs) I thought that he thought that about Ukraine. He just thought we'll like wander in there and they'll be like, oh, no, yay, our (laughs) behaviors are here or whatever. Like he just thought that Ukrainians would just sort of like roll over and they were amped when they got there. And in part because it was like the end, not the end, but the middle of a pandemic. It's a very uncertain time. People are feeling very anxious. And so people just like went apeshit. Yeah. And. I feel that way every day that I take the road, take to the roads in Los Angeles. <laughs> I just don't feel like this is a time to be like prodding regular citizens this way. Yeah. I think governments don't understand that right now about they their own don't. citizenry. No. And that's one of the things that I think is so weird about conducting foreign policy in this moment as if it's any time. This is not a normal time. Yeah. I would not trust literally the citizens of any one small town in America to act predictably in the face of crisis at this moment. <laughs> right. And so the, to, to expect whole societies to act predictably yeah, in the face true. of crisis is insane. Yeah. Who knows what people are going to do if we actually in like a real nuclear conflict. I mean, it could be any Die. Die, but the ones that don't die are going to be fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. In any case, let's talk about the real news, George Santos. Please. And actually, before <laughs> we begin, I have one thing I want to say about the George Santos saga. Which is, I was just talking about this with my mom earlier. We've been starting to hear calls from people being like, stop giving him so much airtime. And, you know, we don't, we shouldn't be focusing on this kind of, you know, these silly shenanigans when there's real problems and blah, blah, blah. And let me just say, this is A, the most important news story of our time. Get, 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 get used to it. But also, why are you trying to rob us of joy? This story is fun. <laughs> it's so fun. It's teaching us about right? campaign finance law. I know. It's so it's yeah, educational. It really is. Yeah. It's teaching us about... How low the depths Republicans will go to to get elected are. Yeah. It's allowing us to see TikTok videos of reporters chasing down George Santos, asking him who he thinks is going to win this season of RuPaul's Drag Race. This is a man who is lying about many things, but one of the things he's lying about is saying he hasn't seen this season well, of Drag Race. Well, first off, he turned around in like slow motion. Yes, and his, his eyes, eyes wide. lit up like he was ready to tell this person about their entire history of all 15 seasons of RuPaul's Drag That's right. Race. Uh, and then he was like, I don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> False. It makes me but like, wonder we need people, about... We need people to stay on the case to be getting content like that. Yes. Also, it makes me wonder about how good a liar he could possibly be. Because no, we, could just, we could see in his eyes how much he loves RuPaul's Drag Race yeah. from the moment he turned around. Yeah. It just... Don't, don't take the one story that is bringing us joy and entertainment yeah. all across American society <laughs> and tell us that we have to be too principled to enjoy it. No. There is nothing. Also, I, we've never done that. I never want to be too principled to enjoy the George Santos story. No. No. Um, 
And that includes this week because there were more shenanigans this week. And some of them taught us important things about campaign finance law. Yeah. One is that you can't uh, lie about who your campaign treasurer is and sign their name on your e-file of your campaign finance report, your quarterly report, because that's apparently what happened. Because uh, his former uh, treasurer, Thomas uh, Datweiler. No, this is the new treasurer. Thomas Datweiler is the new treasurer. His former treasurer is the one who's going to jail. Isn't it? Isn't it Nancy Mark? No, No. Oh. Nancy Mark's was the previous treasurer. Right. She is the one who, and she was working for a number of campaigns in the yeah. area. She's for sure going to go to jail. And she um, obviously had to leave because of the fact that she'd been criming. So this new treasurer is not a treasurer, but this new person who's like a political, like a, a veteran of campaign finance, right. Thomas Dotweiler, is uh, George Santos started um, submitting paperwork to the FEC that this was his new treasurer. And Clearly, somebody signed this man's name. Right, because But when he, he was contacted about it, he was like, I'm not George Santos' treasurer. <laughs> right. I have yeah. nothing to do with this. And yeah. so yeah, yeah, now yeah. Um, he... <laughs> we're not... We're, we're waiting to get to the bottom of what happened. But um, basically, what it sounds like is that his campaign committee panicked because their previous treasurer is a criminal. Right. Um, and also, their candidate is a criminal and everyone involved is a criminal. Yeah. And they were like, we got to do... We got to get a new treasurer. And there's a million lies on the paperwork that they filed because Correct. part of what they recently did was file a bunch of different amendments to that. That's right. Um, but what they, uh, one of the things that they filed was that um, it's there's a potential indication that at least $625,000 in campaign loads that Santos had previously reported as being self-funded might not be sourced from his, quote, personal funds. I am shocked. Which, of course, I mean, he his I think his own filings also showed him making like $55,000 in the years leading up to his campaign. So like where he got, you know, like three quarters of a million dollars was always a mystery to people. And I think we even talked about th- that last week on the podcast. But like um, it does not say where that money is from so there's now like six hundred twenty five thousand dollars that he claims to have loaned himself that he didn't that is not tied to any other people well and and it also sounds like some of his other biggest donors can't be found in records right they don't exist right like their addresses don't exist their names don't exist like in america uh (laughs) so that's not if you're a veteran of campaign finance that's not a campaign you want to get involved in anyway you're not trying to so this guy thomas dotweiler is like get me the fuck out of here (laughs) yeah um also this is the grift is that you pretend that you yeah, are self-financing your... We talked about this last week, but this is the grift. There is no $625,000. But the problem is, is that you have to account for it when you do your official filings. That's right. And, and that's where we're at now. That's, it turns out that, that's, <laughs> that that step, surprisingly, was not uh, completed because there was no money and there was nothing to report. <laughs> right. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And also, I think more importantly, listen, is it fun to hear about his days as a drag queen? Of course. <laughs> is that breaking a law? No. No. This is. <laughs> right, So, exactly. like, there are, there are the fun stories of George Santos. Well, that's probably what's going to be. This is what's going to take him down. The criminal liability right, stories exactly. are really the more valuable ones in the yeah. end. And yeah. that's why I say you have to wade through the drag queen stories to get to the criming. Don't right? give yeah, up at true. drag queen just because that's a dumb story. That's so true. First of all, don't rob yourself of fun unnecessarily. That's the first rule of, of life. <laughs> but also, the drag queen stories are how you get... To the Treasury or to the uh, FEC filing criming stories. Yeah. And once you're at the FEC criming filing stories, who knows where you can end up? You could end up in jail. <laughs> that's where we hope he ends up. So, I mean, that's really what. We, we'll, do your patriotic duty and continue to gossip about George Santos, is what for I'm sure. saying. Don't yeah. let the naysayers. Yeah, and especially if he's not going to be there for very long. No, because, exactly. like, how much time do we have with this guy? I'm really loving his energy. <laughs> This so, is, like, you know, well, if it's going to be short-lived, then, like, let me have it, for God's sake. Too true. <laughs> also, this is the energy 
like it or not, that the Republicans have been bringing into 2023 <laughs> overall. Right. And I feel like to ignore it because it's silliness really ignores what our biggest threat is, which is their silliness. silliness. It's like, how did yeah. we end up with Donald Trump? He also lies about everything. Yeah. Is it because we were too principled to enjoy the worst of his lies as lies? <laughs> Maybe. Because once we started taking him seriously, we started pretending like everything that was happening wasn't patently ridiculous. Yeah. My love of the Trump Stakes press conference, I feel, was my patriotic duty. Yeah. As that was an hour of entertaining television, and I received it as such. Yeah. I did not receive it as important news updates from somebody who was telling me important facts about America. Right. But that was not the spirit it was intended to be received in. No. And I think that you're absolutely right, though, because you can give all of this airtime and still have it be, you know, not a person... like. What we need to do is like acknowledge it as the camp that it is, right? Because like that is great television, but like we also can sort of acknowledge that like maybe we don't continue to vote for these people because they're just doing camp. Exactly. Right? Like, so I think that like the two can exist together. Yes. Right? Like we can continue we we can continue to mock George Santos for doing everything that he's doing while also acknowledging that like he's not a great person and he shouldn't be in Congress and like don't vote for him again if he happens to still somehow be in Congress two years when you get the well, chance. And the same thing can be said of Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. We're going to talk about a hilarious press speech that he just gave later, which was, I mean, comedy gold. Yes. And we can think of it that way. It's not un-American yes. to think of it that way. And to if, you, if you do think of it that way, then it's better because then you're like, well, this is a this is not a real person. This is a bad comedian. Like he's not a it's not the president. He's That's a, where he's a I think we kind of failed in the the Trump era. The beginning of the Trump campaign last time really presented us with a unique challenge, which is how do you take someone who's so highly entertaining and make clear that the the sort of amount of airtime they're getting is not equivalent to legitimacy. Right. And the, the media failed on that <laughs> They front. did, yeah. I, and, and in part because they treated him like a traditional candidate, which he was never intended to be. I think we, you know, we're getting another shot at it with George Santos. It's a lower stakes shot, so that's great. Yep. But there is a way to continue to report on what is hilarious and funny about him with, in the same way that there are numerous celebrities who don't need to... Tom Cruise is not going to be the president. Like, there was an era where he was always in the news because of mm. Scientology and acting crazy and jumping yeah. on Oprah's couch. And during that era, no one was like, Tom Cruise should be the president. Because <laughs> it was clear that the, the, the amount of time he was spending in headlines was not equivalent to some sort of, like, thinking legitimacy. Yeah. It was equivalent to entertainment, which yeah. is what it was. I feel like this is giving us a warm-up for 2024 so that we can figure out how do we continue to report on these people so that their criming comes to light. <laughs> without bestowing extra legitimacy. Because the one thing I've loved about the George Santos story is every additional story has robbed him of further legitimacy. Yeah. Like, he, no no story gets reported about him where you're like, well, see, he was just an okay guy. <laughs> like, I feel like there was a point in the Trump campaign where they started reporting on Trump like he was just a guy who makes normal, has normal brain processes. Right, just a really smart businessman just like a smart from businessman. New York who's right. always, you know, and that, been on track to be president. Right. Like, it's like, no. that was never true. There was no, but we have to learn how to do both because we deserve the joy of being entertained. <laughs> I agree. In any case, um, George Santos, what a gift. What a gift. I'll tell you what's going to be the most entertaining. Yes. Is the California Senate race I can't in 2024. Wait. We've been talking about it. We had a, another official announcement this week mm-hmm. from Adam Schiff. Very exciting. He's not going to be running in CA30 anymore, so he doesn't have to be my congressman any longer. What a gift to all of us. <sighs> God bless him. You run for Senate, Adam. That's right. Go right on and wouldn't it out be great? Because he's obviously not going to be running for Congress here, and he's hopefully going to lose to somebody in the Senate seat, and then he he's doesn't gone from exist our lives. anymore. I know. 
No, I know. I mean, it's a real dream. Can you imagine if we had a member of Congress representing us who was not at any time in their careers a blue dog? What a joy. I mean, remember, it would be just like going back to the days where Waxman was our representative. I know. Those were great days. I know. Those were great days. But I feel like what's additionally exciting about this Senate race and the way that it's shaping up is that Adam Schiff is very clearly positioning himself as like the whiny candidate. <laughs> like, Did you watch his video? I watched I his video. I watched some of his it was I'm refusing. I'm going to Adam Schiff truth or my way through the center race. I love it. <laughs> I the thing that I had I thought was most entertaining was when Katie Porter announced and he whined that it was in um I know because we in, were flooding. Yeah, because it was during the time that we were flooding and so he said it was insensitive timing. <laughs> I feel like every dig I've heard from him or his staff has just sounded whiny. He's like mad at Katie Porter for like jumping the gun. He's mad at Katie Porter for thinking she should run. He's he's just mad. Yeah. And he's gonna be even madder because it, I think Barbara Lee's probably gonna uh, jump into this race. It's going to certainly... be more than a two-way race. Well, that's the other thing, too, because there are also people are like talking about Eleni Kulinakis, who's our lieutenant governor, right. who I don't think goes anywhere, but um, Becerra. Right, Javier uh, Becerra uh, could. Who's head of HHS. Uh, people are talking about Rob Bonta jumping in. And these are all like, you know, some of those people, if you live outside of California, you, you may not have heard, but those right. are people who are, have been They're on our state statewide here all the time. Those are names that you know. And I just, it's going to be wild because I also think a world exists where enough of these Democrats are going to have to sort of collectively think about whether if there's 17 of them running, what? do two Republicans get into, a, yeah. because we have a runoff here. Well, so that's I think the there's going to yeah, be, reminding people be a, that this I is a jungle it's, primary. Yeah, it's going to be a wild stakes, I think, just because like there's, there's a world where this could get f- fucked. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, which I don't want to think about. <laughs> But oh, we sh- I do. But we should think about it. I, I mean, well, I don't want to think about having a Republican senator. No, I and but I. But that really true. I, that sounds far fetched. But like, if literally every single one of the people, oh yeah, stays in the race until the end, and they all get twelve percent, and there's two Republicans who are maybe like name Republicans, right. right? That people recognize from the state, either somebody who's run for governor or something before, and they get each get you know fifteen percent, then like we don't have a Democratic senator from the state of California any longer. Yeah, I am less worried about that. <laughs> Because I feel like that these are people who are ultimately not principled enough to No, go these are every own. single one of these people, these even are, even Katie Porter, who is probably my favorite person yes. from this list, they're all party people. They're all party people. So right. I'm not as I'm not worried None of these people are kamikaze people who yes. are like, I'm gonna stay in this race until the last nine day, even if it means getting now, a Republican elected. A fun thing about California. I would like one of those people I was to gonna run. Say, <laughs> there will be at least thirty four of them, so don't worry about that. <laughs> right. There are right. definitely kamikaze people who are willing to come in and yeah. just like blow up this I that you don't have to worry about. These yeah. are just of the party people. Am I willing to vote for that person? Maybe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that this is a jungle primary, the fact that in a lot of ways this is going to be our most confusing jungle like experiment with a jungle primary because I think it is actually. I think it's probably the will be the most exciting thing that we've done yes. since we switched to this Agreed. program. Because every other open primary has had sort of like a a couple of people with momentum going in who are specific, but also the the seat hasn't been given up in this chaotic of a fashion. So like what we have right now is a person who is actually suffering from like dementia who is in this seat, yep. who has not yet kind of offered to give it up, really. No. This is Suppose just... Schiff did say that he talked to her Of course, well, everyone talked announced. to her. She doesn't remember when you but talked I th- to I th- her. I think that, well, no, I understand that. She, I think, specifically has considered herself like a mentor to him and well, him a lot a of good that's going to do anyone. It's, but also, truly a lot of good that's going to do anyone because she's hated by the state party here. 
I know. She d- didn't even get the state party's endorsement the last time. She didn't get the state party's endorsement for- last time. So that's this is a much wilder race than last time where, A, Barbara Boxer was somebody who announced she was going to be retiring in a timely fashion. She had retired yeah. before she reached a point where she yeah. wasn't like cognitively all there. Yeah. And because of that, the state party could appropriately plan for her replacement. There were people who had sort of like, it was still a crazy primary, but it was not crazy on this level because it wasn't as many high profile politicians yeah. running in that race this early. But this is wild. It's a candidate who is hated by the state party. So her picking her next in line means nothing. Nobody cares. To the state party, at least. Yeah. Um, there are at least three or four high-profile Democrats who are going to be in this race. Yeah. Some of whom are the future of the party. All of whom are the future, or the quote-unquote future of the party in different ways. Yeah. Like, Katie Porter is often pointed at as, like, a future of the party. And Katie Porter is an interesting study because she is in a frontline district. Yeah. That's a, that's a you know, Adam Schiff is somebody who has been politically all over the map in his career and really has a national profile, but he does not... His national profile might help him in that race. He doesn't have a state profile, though. There is no... No no one remembers a time that Adam Schiff did something great for California. No. And I I think that in the case of Katie Porter, people have a lot of, like, pride in the work that she's done in Washington. And I think people have pride in the work Adam Schiff has done, but he's not really in it for us. He's like the nation's Adam Schiff. And I think because of that, people outside of California think that he's a bigger threat in this race than I think he is. No, I think think you're right. I, I don't think that he, when it comes to sort of, like how Californians view their representation, I don't think that he's somebody that Californians think is in it for us. I think they think of him also as the nation's Adam Schiff. Yeah. And like, we don't need another person who's just representing the nation, representing a state that has the least representation in the Senate of all the states. (laughs) So, I mean, this is... is You want to know know what would be amazing is if Dianne Feinstein was like, I'm running. I know. (laughs) I was thinking that. They did file the paperwork to prep her for they that did. a few years ago. So, yeah. I mean, it's not out of the question. No. It should be out of the question, it but be. it's not. No, yeah. I would love that. It would be a true delight. And I also feel like that would also put the state party in a hilarious position. Totally. I mean, what a joy that would be for all That'd of us so involved. Yeah. I'm hoping this is the most entertaining jungle primer we've ever had. Yeah. I think it will be. I think so, too. So, um, what is also exciting is that... We have an open house our, seat. Our, we have an open house seat now, and... Uh, former podcast guest, maybe a girl, has announced that they're running in 2024, which is amazing. And they made it into the runoff this year. Exactly. I mean, so I'm very excited. I mean, they've slowly increased their vote share over time. So I think, obviously, the Democratic Party is going to pick some hackish person to come in here and run for that seat. Probably, who knows? I mean, I'm already thinking about Rick Zabur, Uh, like, coming in because it just seems natural. Yeah. Um, Naturally awful. But, I mean. We don't have to let it happen. We don't have to let it happen. We can do anything. No. Um, and I love that she has announced early because I do feel like even so, like, you know, she's had a name recognition problem, even though, you know, she's run twice. But I think, you know, a third time I think will be even more yeah. so. But I mean, just to really like be out there and being like, look, I've been in this race, you right. know, like just to sort of, you know, be out there before the Democrats do come yeah. in and be like, you know, no, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> like, yeah. Because that's what they're going to do. I mean, well, and I think she's too far to the left. I mean, she's perfect for me right. in every she's conceivable the perfect way. Level but to I mean, the left. <laughs> yeah. No, she's too far to the left for the Democrats. However, yeah. I feel like there's an opportunity to pull the Democratic conversation to the left for the first time. For the first since time, Schiff became. Yeah. Since we got redistricted into Schiff's district. Well, and one thing yeah. that I think has been a misunderstanding about him that I think will not be as easy to kind of like pull over on us you know, with a new candidate, is 
Schiff, because of his national profile and because no one really knew what his platform was because we were just like, oh, the House Intelligence Committee guy, um, didn't really run on any issues. That's the thing. I think whenever you move into a, it's easy to win a House race when you are, you know, the lead investigator on the Donald Trump impeachment. I don't know if that's exactly what he was, but you know what I mean, right? Like he's on MSNBC every other day. It's easy to win a House race that way. You start running in the largest state in the country and then people are like, oh, wait, you've been found out now. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm hoping happens yeah. anyway, because, like, he's not awesome. Well, Adam there's been Schiff. no one to do oppo research on him this whole time because he's been running essentially <laughs> unopposed because, though, you know, there's not been enough sort of support and money going into maybe a girls campaign. Yeah. And um, the rest of the field is nonsense, people. Yeah. Um, and it's been a pretty small field, all things told, for such a high profile yeah. House seat. So this uh, this means that whoever runs for the seat is going to actually have to, like, tell us what they're going to do for us. They're going to have to present their platform to us. And I'm kind of hoping that because they can see that the district is far enough to the left that maybe a girl is making it into runoffs, right. that that conversation and, and that maybe a girl also will be setting the stage for what the debate is going to be. I'm kind of hoping that that yeah. will kind of pull whoever, even if it is somebody who's kind of like a hack. Right. You know, Democrat, you're going you're gonna to have to tell us what you think about Medicare you know, for all, Medicare for all and which police Adam abolition and whatever does not else, have to. you know, right. Adam Schiff doesn't have to. Right. He can slap his name on something and pretend like he's doing right. it. But, but we all like know he's no, not in favor of Medicare he's, for all. He's no great advocate for it. He put his name on it because he knew he would never have to vote on it. Exactly. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's good to to have maybe also, there to sort of set the, the tone for what everybody let's is. Let's make sure that maybe gets a debate with this new whoever the hack in the race ends up being. Totally. And let's get on that early, everybody, yeah. so that we... I want to see this debate. Same. Um, in any case, we also have some presidential candidacies being yeah. announced. One being a complete nobody who you probably only heard about because his pregnant wife um, fainted next to him while he was announcing, and he took a beat too long to <laughs> notice. Roland Roberts II, who is a state senator in West Virginia, but also just sort of like a roaming rich person, Uh um, was announcing at the West Virginia State Capitol that he's running for the Republican nomination. Um, During his speech, his wife, who is pregnant uh, and wearing four-inch heels, just like goes down behind him, (laughs) taking the flag down with her. And literally, it's like all of these old people start waddling in her direction, and he just stands there looking like an idiot for like a beat too long. Yeah. Um, And it... Is a hilarious video that you should definitely watch. Well, she's okay. She's okay. I mean, he's not. You know, he's not. But well, I mean, in as the, a person, in the what well, I was gonna say, in the sense that literally no one knew who he was, and now <laughs> right. people know who he is. Yeah. I mean, I don't think in his was, case that was helps. It, was this a stunt they pulled? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that it could have been because it was too funny. No, I know. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, um but also, Brent's gonna hate this. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the this, note that you put already, and I'm annoyed, but fine. Carry on. Do your segue. Speaking of nobodies, who will not be the president, Marianne Williamson announced. <sighs> well, Listen. Here's what. If Joe, if Joe Biden decides that he's going to run for president, mm-hmm. no one is going to run a primary against him. Except potentially Marianne Williamson. Fair and enough. you are probably right about nobodies who will not be the president. But in the sense of exactly what we were just talking about in this district, potentially, I don't think that she will be afraid to like call him out on his shit and say what it is that we should be talking about. Because she's a leftist for the most part. She's had some weird thoughts on some specific things. But like, 
we've been wanting somebody to primary him, and I fear yeah. that literally no one will. Fair so, enough. like, say what you will about Marianne Williamson, but like, and I will say a lot, and I and I know that you will, but also like, let's have a primary. She probably won't even get any coverage, but also she's kind of kooky enough to get some coverage, like. And, I, and I'm not saying it'll be, like, good coverage. She'll probably just be made fun of. And, like, that's right. what happened to her in 2020, I think, to a large degree, unfairly. But like, I would say she got a lot of coverage in 2020, <laughs> some of which was not uh, critical enough. <laughs> Perhaps. Anyway, um, I'm not mad at it, but of course I'm not. <laughs> right. I Here's what I'll say. I feel like if she can make it, kind of open the door for people to challenge Joe Biden... And I also, I'm not fully convinced that she has the guts to do that. I feel like she has the guts to maybe, like, talk a big game about doing that. I think and she then will, not... because I think that she has also been very much involved with, like, Movement for a People's Party and some of these That's other, like, weird offshoots. Like, I could see her, I could see her running and then getting frustrated enough to sort of, like, do a break with the Democratic Party in a way yeah. that, like, I think sort of more people should be doing, even yeah. if it ends up being in short-term detrimental. But I mean, like, I feel like I could see her being willing to challenge in that primary and then just being like, fuck all of you. And then dramatically leaving the party. And then dramatically leaving. I feel like it would be worth it if she does stay in the primary and kind of opens the door for a bunch of kooky candidates to jump into the primary. That would be a delight. Because what I... She's going to be... It's not going to do anything if it's just her and, like, you know... John Delaney running in the primary. Right. Or, you know, he wouldn't, he would never challenge Joe Biden, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think if, if Marianne Williamson-esque people yeah. um, who know that it's a bad idea to have Joe Biden run again, yeah. but are not so, but are not in government right now or not part of the party apparatus, um, can, can kind of like keep themselves brave together, then mm. yeah. listen, will it be fun to watch no because the media will be terrible to them and there yeah. will and also none of them will be legitimate enough candidates to like right. actually put up put up a real challenge yeah. um but and they'll be called spoilers and it'll be the whole thing right and but even if it, there's a debate joe biden just will like not, not show go, up we which need, might be fun like can i get true. a debate between like marianne williamson and dennis kucinich and right. um like andrew like yang them, or somebody <laughs> right and, right and like let's talk about ufos and let's talk about yeah. miracles and let's talk about yeah. like Good television, you guys. Good television. But yeah. I feel like it's not something that can be accomplished by her alone because she is too wacky. I feel like if <laughs> if five wacky people can do it, then they can collectively pull some media. It's it's sort of like you need enough people to do it that they can all keep each other brave. Yeah. Because it's it would be very it, it'll be very scary for them if they do it and the party apparatus comes down on them. Yeah. Like that it won't be fun. Yeah. Um She's somebody who's just sort of like independently wealthy and kooky, so maybe yeah. that won't be a problem for her. But to some extent also, she's somebody who likes to be in favor with powerful people. That's also the story of her life and really the story of her spiritual life, if you can call it that. And so I don't think that she's somebody who would go this alone. I think that she's somebody who, if she starts talking like this, maybe some other kooks can start talking like this and then we can have, you know, I, then we can have sort of like a group of them um, sort of making trouble but uh i like but, this i like this group plan. yeah but i think it has to be a group i all of these people are people that want to be close to power and the way mm. that you get close to power is you play ball with the party and that means that none of them will go it alone hmm. and i think that even she would not because her whole you know sort of grift depends on <laughs> her ability to her her sort of like ability to garner favor with powerful people that's how she made her millions that's how she sold her book that's how she's 
you know, become this sort of like guru-esque figure. That's sure. what her whole grift has been. And it's all a grift, obviously, but like that's, <laughs> you know, she's, she's somebody who, um, I don't think it would be, I don't think it was terrible to have her in the race. I don't think it would be terrible to have her have a sort of the ability to kind of pull, uh, pull sort of like issues out of thin air that Joe Biden doesn't want to talk about. Yeah. But I just don't think that she would be able to do that on her own. Well, I'm here for it. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Whatever shape it takes. Wherever it comes from. Uh-huh. Whoever. I know. I wish that there were more um, kooky candidates who I liked. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that I had a Marianne Williamson. Oh, yeah. I, I deserve a Marianne Williamson, too. You do. It's, I, well, you... I mean, you have Marianne Williamson. <laughs> but I don't have Marianne Williamson the way that you have Marianne I know, Williamson, but, you know? Well, you love her for other reasons. <laughs> I, I feel like I don't respect her enough for other reasons. Fair. Um, in any case, let's talk about the Republican primary. Because that's but. also shaping up. The biggest shape up so far is that Nikki Haley kind of like inception Donald Trump into announcing her candidacy for her, which I think was a sort of hilarious move, honestly. Yeah. Also, like... Let's talk about what it takes to inception Donald Trump. Nothing. <laughs> because really all she did was... Naming, a, uh, naming an idea, right. Knowing that like he's, he's not, a, not a person who's going to keep a secret if there's a camera in front of him. Yeah. So like... She- it wasn't a dastardly plan that involved any scheming. <laughs> no. I do think it was sort of a clever way to Just make sure that... Just it into the world. To, well, and also to make sure that the media picked it up. Because she could have, as a woman in the GOP field who no one really has ever taken as seriously as she wishes they would, yeah. that news could have fallen, that could have been a tree falling in the forest. You know, like that, yeah. that news could have never landed on certainly my homepage. Yeah. Um, instead, she got Donald Trump, who always gets headlines, to do it for her, right. guaranteeing that Republicans would find out about it. Yeah, and literally all she did was call him and be like, I'm thinking about running for president. And then he just the told next everyone. time a camera was around. Yeah, he just announced it. He said, she called me and said she'd like to consider it. And I said, you should go for it. And that yeah. was that. Yeah. So, and then also that gives him the ability to think it was his idea. Totally. Oh, what? Well, yeah. He I gets told, to right. take credit for I her made running. Nikki Haley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like I made Ron DeSantis. Yes. Yeah. Because currently, I was going to say currently, he's busy. He's mad, you know, Ron, at Ron DeSantis because he's realizing Ron DeSantis could be his biggest challenge right. in 2024. Which is very disloyal. Very disloyal. Which is a direct quote from A direct Donald quote from Donald Trump. <laughs> when I hear that he might run, I think it's very disloyal. But he's also, because of that, now trying to shit talk Ron DeSantis in ways that kind of confuse the mind and the issue and the everything. I'm going to need you to explain it to me I, because I read the same article and I was like, I don't know what he meant, I know. but I he doesn't really explain it. I think I'm going to read you a so, quote yeah. from yeah, Politico yeah, that kind of like yeah. goes through the ways in which he's trying to shit talk Ron DeSantis and we can discuss. Great. On Saturday, Trump took his sharpest swings at DeSantis to date, accusing the governor of, quote, trying to rewrite history over his response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Trump said DeSantis, who has been openly skeptical about government efforts to vaccinate people against the virus, quote, promoted the vaccine as much as anyone. He praised governors who did not close down their states, noting that DeSantis ordered the closure of beaches and businesses in some part of his state, some parts of his state. So he's hitting him on every front at once, but all of them are contradictory. He's mad that Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, promoted, he's claiming Ron DeSantis promoted the vaccine when... Obviously, Ron DeSantis did not promote the vaccine. Right. He's claiming but that also, he closed tr- things down in Florida when Florida's been the most open of any state in and, the entire and world. And also, Trump has been promoting the vaccine well, because because he invented it. Exactly. It's so confusing. It's all very bizarre. Because I don't... The way that this intersects with Trump's interests is very bizarre because Trump is now a resident of Florida, by the way, you guys. So this <laughs> policy has direct it directly impacted him. So, like, 
claiming that like, first of all, it was, as you recall, Donald Trump who was the president when everything closed down. Right. So if he wants to go around pretending that he's not in favor of closures, that's too bad because politics dictates that you end up with yeah. credit for whatever happened while you were yeah. in power. And while he was in power, we were stuck in our homes. So I don't know if it's worth opening this can of worms claiming that Ron DeSantis was closing beaches during a time where Donald Trump's government asked us to stay in our homes and not leave. Yeah. And then on top of that, Donald Trump invented the vaccine. Yeah. Um, and so for him to now be both wanting credit for that, which he has for years been taking credit for, and then also at the same time being mad that it was promoted promoted by Ron DeSantis is a confusing which twist. Which it wasn't. Which by it the wasn't way. <laughs> is a confusing twist. Yeah. Um I like I don't what history is he trying to rewrite? I don't know. I also love Donald Trump also said of Ron DeSantis. He won't be leading. I got him elected. I'm the one that chose him. <laughs> I'm the one that chose him. What was that quote a while ago where he said something about like Ron, DeS- when he said something about how Ron DeSantis was not good or something and about how like he barely won against like that, <laughs> the Democratic drug addict that he yeah. ran against or something. What was that quote? I, I can't, can't remember. remember. It was terrible, but I mean, it was like, it was, I mean, he is not afraid to tell you that he not only invented the vaccine, but invented Ron DeSantis. Yes, he <laughs> I mean. certainly is not. And this, that's also going to get embarrassing for him because as Ron DeSantis starts to Most kind of come into him. the... Com- yeah, definitely <laughs> right. beats him. But also just like kind of move, morphs into the central point in the conversation. Donald Trump is going to have both already taken credit for that and also be destroyed by it. It's <laughs> right. It's it's like signing your own execution mm-hmm. warrant. I, it's In any case... Um, but Donald Trump's been saying a lot of funny things recently. <laughs> He's back. I do love campaigning Donald Trump. So good. Because his campaign speeches, which are the only speeches he gives, because he was never giving any like leadershipy speeches. No. Um, are always chock full of exciting non sequiturs that make you wonder. And he's back he's back into hating wind turbines. Back is, on his windmill just, wind turbines. Uh, I'm looking at the picture that you're going to talk about in a second. And he appears to be looking at notes. Yeah. No, he made notes. He made Win- notes to remind himself of why he hates wind turbines because he wouldn't <laughs> want to get this wrong. And I'm going to explain to you why it is. First of all, Brent, they kill birds. Right. Second of all, they and destroy you, planes. And if you go and kill... If you go outside right now and kill a bald, bald eagle, you go to jail for 10 years. But what can you do to wind turbines? Wind turbines killing bald eagles... And still out here in the world. That's right. We're just letting them freely spin. Not in jail anywhere. <laughs> also, China is apparently killing birds too. He got lost a little in the point and then suddenly China was to blame. But sure. he got back to wind turbines eventually because they're made in China. They're made in China. China. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He always says it like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's so horrifying. <laughs> um, so as this is going on, by the way, this is a speech that's being carried by Newsmax and OAN and some other fake channel. Um, and the, the lower third, as he's delivering these remarks, because this is a video that we saw on uh, Twitter. So this is from the, you know, these are not direct quotes from the video, but they're quotes from the video. Um, the, the lower third says, AT&T DirecTV censors Newsmax. Cancel now. Call DirecTV and then gives DirecTV's phone number. 800 number. <laughs> I mean, it's too good. It's too good. Also... During the speech, he suggested that the wall would have been finished if he had been in office for three more weeks. Right. He's clearly not been reading the news that Joe Biden continues to build the wall. No. he's Well, uh, no. He's been instead telling people that if they want to come to America, they should just walk across the southern border. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing he said during this speech. <laughs> um, oh, the third thing that wind turbines destroy, oceans. 
Oh. Unclear how? That wasn't explained? We had a long conversation earlier about whether he thinks that wind turbines are spun by the wind or create the wind. Create the wind. I know. I thought that maybe the way that we could convince him that we need to keep making the turbines and using the turbines is that it's the turbines that that are causing the wind and we need wind. Right. And I think he probably could go either way on this point if the right person spoke to him last. Right. So I think I could convince him that they were necessary just for... The maintenance of the wind. The maintenance of the wind. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Because... It's un- you just gave me like five minutes. Type five. I could do it in a type five. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> I feel as though um, his also confusion between what windmills are and what wind turbines are could help us make this point hmm. um, as well. Yeah. I, I feel like there's, I think, a, a lack of uh, understanding of the specifics of wind turbines because he seems to think that they're also making energy more expensive which oh, yeah. is the opposite of what they're making energy. That's right. Um, the, there's, there's some, some of the specifics are missing from his conception of wind turbines. Yeah. He is eager to blame China for something. I, I think some that questions. we could say China is stopping the wind and we could keep the wind if only we had wind oh, turbines. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a way to work China into this if we need to. Yeah. But like, I just feel like we could turn him on wind turbines if we all work together. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, by the way, some advice from me to you about literally any topic that Donald Trump is wrong about. Yeah. You can, if we all work together, we could convince him of anything. Yeah. And I feel like feeling helpless to the sort of, because we're stuck in the like annals of his brain is not the right way for us to be thinking about how to approach Donald Trump. No. What does he need to know from us is the question. Not what do we need to know from him. That's, yes. Well said. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Took me a second. But yes, you're right. (laughs) So that's the news this week. That's it. Um, we will be closely monitoring campaign announcements because this is the time of year where the 2024 shenanigans begin. Yeah. And George Santos. And if, George Santos. If the rest of the news media decides that they're giving him too much air, then you know where to find your George Santos. That's right. We'll give him friends. as much air as he needs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we will be gone next week, but we'll be back uh, the right. week after. Yes. And you will be hearing from us then. Great. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.